Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you with a master's degree in psychology from Penn State. Adam Bly is a church-decreed expert on religious demonology and exorcism in the Pittsburgh Diocese. He is an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists. That's based in Rome. And over the last decade, he has helped educate priests on exorcism and has assisted at many dozens of exorcisms, house exorcisms, and resolutions of hauntings. His latest book that just came out a few months ago, The Catholic Guide to Miracles, Separating the Authentic from the Counterfeit. Adam, welcome back. It's been four years, my friend. Good to have you. Hi, George. It's great to be back. Has it been that long? Oh, my gosh. It, it is. And you, I trust you're doing well? Yes, I am. How about you? Good. Everything's going great. And uh, you know, con our blessings, Adam, to be sure. Mm-hmm. I, I was raised a Catholic, and so this is of special interest to me. Uh, tell me about your relationship with the Catholic Church and how that evolved. Well, for about now, uh, about 15 years, I've been drawn into helping to train exorcists both nationally here in the States and also internationally, started doing some training in the Far East. Um, And also, I've started doing some work in canon law, so I'm in canon law school, and I do some administrative work also. So I've been full-time for about 15 years, fairly deeply involved, and... uh, Along the way, just met a lot of wonderful people and and also had a lot of interesting experiences and seen a lot of things, both in the exorcism world and uh, in the area of miracles, where I have been asked to investigate uh, some cases of miracles. As you can imagine, George, um, you know, when when a case comes in and something needs to be looked into, the people that deal with the unusual sometimes get called. Yeah. uh, You know, so... I'm kind of in that category, and so it's it's been a really good opportunity. Well, that's fantastic. And as this has evolved, have you changed your views on anything over the years, or are they much stronger than they used to be about exorcisms and miracles and the demons that are out there? Well, George, um, I did have an experience last year that was that was quite strong. Um, and, you know... Care to share it? Yeah, sure. Um, so over the years, uh, you, you kind of become known to some of these, these uh, creatures that we deal with in the exorcisms, and you encounter them over and over in different cities and different years, um, because, you know, there's only a set number of them, at least the major ones that people have heard those names. And last year we had a case with kind of the boss of downstairs, and as it turned out, apparently he was interested in having a personal confrontation with me because I guess I had been annoying for enough years (laughs) uh, to his organization, which, you know, is a good thing. Uh, You you don't want him to be happy with you. But I I would say through that experience, even though I had seen so much over the years, it really deepen my faith, and, you know, faith is belief without evidence, but some of the things we saw in that case were over the top, even in the exorcism world. Um, and so it was, a, it was a wonderful experience in the sense that the reality of 
God, the reality uh, of Mary, who usually comes to end the cases Jesus sends his mother, usually as the last figure the person sees when they're freed completely. Interesting. Uh, the role of St. Michael has become much stronger uh, in my world and the, the work I'm doing both with these books and also with exorcism. So really, George, it's been kind of a being drawn into an even deeper level of all of this. Did I read where the Catholic Church had at least 120 dedicated exorcists? Is that an accurate number, Adam? Well, George, there's no one list for the United States, but what I can tell you is when I started, when I got drawn into this, there was around 20 for the whole United States. That was about 15 years ago. And we started doing national conferences and bringing an exorcist from Europe that had a lot of experience to teach. And now we're well north of 120 that we've trained. And, and every diocese is supposed to have an exorcist. You know, Rome has said that, and, and is re- the popes have repeatedly said mm-hmm. that. And so, you know, there should be as many exorcists as dioceses, at least in, in this country. So, you know, we're still working at it, uh, but it's far better than it was 15 years ago. I'll always remember, I'm in St. Louis right now, and of course this is where the exorcism of the little boy took place. That was the basis for the movie, The Exorcist, and uh, which was with, a, with a, they used a girl in there, of course. Yeah. But uh, scary times. Well, it, yeah, it, that was an intense case. Uh, I've heard that he's still alive, though he doesn't want to be interviewed or known to the public. I, I don't know if he's passed. He's a little bit older now. I'm told he's alive. I'm okay. told he's alive. He's... Okay. Yeah, I, I know some of the Jesuits there in St. Louis where you live. Um, so I've heard, you know, a little bit of the inside story on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was a fast case. You know, a lot of cases we deal with, it's um, two years or more of sessions. And so, um, thank, you know, thank God he was freed as, as quickly as he was. Now, how did you get involved in studying miracles with the Catholic Church? How did that evolve? Well, you know, as I said, um, not everybody deals with the supernatural in a diocese. And so a priest who was on the committee, our bishop appointed to handle exorcisms, and I was on that committee also, he had this situation come in with a, with a potential stigmata case, where somebody thought they were receiving the stigmata. And so he asked me to look into it, and he gave me some references on the best books the Church had, you know, uh, basically written down through the centuries. Um, You know, the Church is an old organization, centuries of experience with exorcism, centuries of experience with miracles. Um, You just have to know where to look to find that information. And so that was really eye-opening. I hadn't thought as deeply about it, and after that, looking into that case, uh, there was a few others that I got the chance to look into, and then I had some exorcist friends who had dealt with some miracle cases, and so I chatted with them. And it seemed to me, George, you know, when we talk about exorcisms and the demons, that will interest people and, and maybe point to the reality of the spiritual and maybe even the reality of, of some of the aspects of the Catholic faith. But it's a scary way to get there. And so I thought, well, it seems these miracles are quite interesting, um, and why don't we share the positive side of the coin? And so that set, you know, set about six, six or twelve months of research, and and then the book was done. Define for us, Adam, what a miracle is. 
Well, there's a few levels you can, you can look at. So at the simplest level, it's simply something that God, only God can do. So something God does that we don't understand and we can't do. That would be the simplest level, and that's not super helpful. And then the, the detailed level, we would go back to Thomas Aquinas, and, and some people have heard that, that name. is a really famous philosopher and theologian mm-hmm. from the early church. And he would say that a miracle has three levels. The highest level is when God does something nature cannot do. So if we think of the sun dancing in the sky at Fatima, that's that experience those people had. The sun doesn't dance in the sky, and if it did, we'd have a big problem. Um, that's something that nature never does. And then the next level down from that is God does something that nature does, but in a different order. So if we think of like Lazarus had died and Jesus came and raised him from the dead, well, we all go from life to death. That's the natural order of things, but to come back to life is something that doesn't happen. So that's God doing something natural, but in a different order. And then the, the lowest level or the third level of that of a miracle would be when God does something quicker than nature does it. So if we think of healings, and, and we've probably all prayed for somebody to be healed or to sure. you know, come, come through the surgery or have the cancer go into remission. When we think of healings, you know, when we get a fever, George, it's probably going to pass. Maybe it's going to be four days, maybe it's going to be a week, uh, but it'll pass. But when God does a healing, it's instantaneous. And so that would be something natural, but much faster than it normally goes. So that's, that's how Thomas broke down the th- three levels of miracles. And, and could you say a miracle defies science and logic? Yes. So if we wanted to look at how, how does the church define a healing when they want to declare a saint? So if we think of famous saints like Padre Pio, probably everybody's heard that name. Yeah. When they, when they said he was a saint, when they, when they make that declaration, they make that based on a miracle happening when people asked him to intercede for a situation. So, you know, somebody's sick, they're probably going to die, and they say, Padre Pio, please pray for this person. It's not that we're worshiping Padre Pio, we're not saying he's a god, we're saying, you're up there with God face to face, would you please intercede for this person? And then when they see a healing happen... They say, okay, that's evidence that this person is up there in heaven with God because they have God's ear, so so to speak. And that healing has to be instantaneous, complete, lasting, and not explainable by medicine. So the doctors have to say, we can't explain this. It doesn't make any sense to us. Mm -hmm. Yes, it kind of goes beyond science. Why do some miracles occur for others, Adam, and it doesn't for others as well? I mean, we hear stories every day of young children uh, dying of cancer, and, you know, where's, where's the miracle to save them? So what determines who gets the miracle? Well, that's a great question, George. Um, if, I could, if I could ask God and get a, a direct answer, I would. I know. What a, you know. what a great answer that would be. Right. Um, I think there's a few things we can look at. First off, we know that if we want to think from a Christian theologic perspective, you know, fallen nature, disease, death, old age, that's part of that's part of life. And so that's the natural order of things. And the miracles are an exception to the natural order. We can't expect every single bad situation to be taken away because that would essentially be heaven. You know, we would have no problems. 
And so we can look forward to a worry-free and a problem-free existence, hopefully, if we make it to heaven. But while we're here, that is the natural order of things. And when miracles happen, generally, it's for a, a good reason in God's plan. It's, it's there to draw us to something. It's there to give us some special information, like the Marian apparitions, when she gave some special information to the world. Um, and those healings, though, yes, we wish they happened all the time, if you look at Lourdes, which is a Marian site that's famous for healings, and millions of people go there. Now, with COVID, it's more difficult. But millions have gone there seeking a healing. A very small percentage, tiny percentage, have actually had a healing that the doctors said, we can't explain that. So we know, unfortunately, they're rare. And that's, that's just God's will. The exceptions are exceptions. And they're usually for a good reason. Um, you know, they're there to point to a saint. They're there to bring a whole family and transform their understanding and belief in God. You know, there's good fruits from them, but unfortunately they're not happening all the time. How important, Adam, is prayer to creating the miracle? Well, of course, we can't create the miracle and we can't force God to act, even if we prayed continuously. You know, we can't grab God and make him do things. However, Prayer is essential because, and again, George, we, we can't ask God, well, how do, you, how do you judge these things exactly? But I think God wants us to show trust in him. You know, God wants us to turn to him and say, I trust you. I know you can do this. If it's your will, please do it. And I think that if it's your will is the critical part because... Sometimes it's the natural order that, that somebody, it is their time to go. Um, other types of miracles, sometimes it's a natural order that they not occur. And so we want to ask God, we want to have faith, we want to trust him, but we also have to say, but your will be done, because we, we can't force his hand. I mean, there are incredible stories that are out there of people, for example, Adam, who would have tumors, and the doctors would say, it's inoperable, there's nothing we can do. And, you know, all of a sudden the person comes back to the doctor a week later after prayer, and it's gone. Yes, I have a friend who apparently was just cured of cancer. Um, there's, a, there's a person who's up for sainthood in the United States. Her name is Rhoda Wise. Uh, she lived in Ohio. A lot of extraordinary things happened there. And her home is still available for people to visit. And I have a friend who had cancer in their uterus. Uh, they had had biopsies. They had had ultrasounds. They were doing, uh, they were getting ready for surgery, and they were put on cancer medicine. And the blood test and the lymph nodes had shown cancer in their blood, in their system, and in their lymph nodes. Um, the tumors were present. They went to Rhoda Wise's house along with a priest friend, sat in her chair and prayed and asked for a healing. They felt a tingling in their abdomen, and when they went for the final checkup before the surgery to map out exactly where they were going to be cutting, the doctor said there's no, there's no cancer here. None of these cells are cancerous, and they redid the blood work, and there was no cancer in their blood. And, you know, this happened a couple months ago. So it absolutely occurs, um, and yeah, it, it's it's baffling when it happens. 
to me, to the doctors, everybody was quite quite surprised. I mean, what 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 do the medical practitioners say about miracles? Are they believers? It depends on who you talk to, but I would say that there's a good portion of them that have seen things they can't explain. Um, I've been asked to give a talk to the Catholic Medical Association here in my city uh, on the supernatural, both the bad side and the good side. Um, so I would say a lot of them have seen things that they can't explain. Over the years, George, I get you know, kind of private off-the-record calls from institutions every now and then in this country, state hospitals, things like that, who have said, you know, we're seeing this stuff go on. We, we would never officially say it, but can you give us some advice on how to deal with this, either on the good side or the bad? So I would say that privately, um, on a human level, a lot of them have seen things they can't explain. Uh, you know, but the public version, of course, they, they don't talk about it as, as much. And when most people as individuals, you know, pray to God or Jesus, how do they make that connection, Adam? How do they make that connection that it then turns into something that works for them? Well, boy, that's, that's a huge question. That's, that's a good one, George. Um, I would say that it depends on where you're at in your own journey, in your own kind of relation with God, in your own spirituality. But I would say to learn to pray in a trusting way from the heart. And what I mean by that is we don't want to just say the words and think, okay, I'll pray this rosary and I'll just mutter the words and say them quickly and then I'm done and now God will do something. Prayer more mature prayer is not about just recitation of words over and over. You know, and, and Jesus mentions this about um, just a, a repetition, that prayer is a relationship with God. It's a conversation with God. And I would say that would be the place to go, is to just be, talk to God like a friend. You know, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm worried about my father, uh, have these concerns. I'm worried about my mother. I have those concerns. Uh, please help me deal with this. You know, would you please maybe intervene and do something special for me and do it in a trusting way as if talking with a friend. Uh, that would be my advice. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.